Welcome back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. Killer Bees are also known as Africanized Bees. And we all know there's nothing Africanized about these two guys. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. 3%. Uh, Largo says C.J. Stroud is almost done coloring his playbook. Largo, you can't say stuff like that. You can't say low S2E jokes about C.J.'s. We're not going to read that sort of stuff. Uh, is Davis Mills' camp really going that much better than Stroud's? I wouldn't say that Mills is having a good camp. I was going to say, what's what's? let me phrase that a different way. Does what Davis Mills doing now make a difference or give you much encouragement for what Davis Mills could be this year? No. I didn't think so. No. Like, is Davis Mills having a better camp than Stroud? Yes. Do I think Davis Mills is more than a backup in the NFL? No. Yeah. No. I think it's a bigger testament to what C.J. Stroud is looking like at camp. And as a rookie, again, like, he shouldn't be doing well. Like he's he's a rookie. He's learning against a defense that has potential. Now, if the Texans were playing a football game tomorrow, no matter who their quarterback is, like that's a bottom five offense in the NFL. And Keenum's just out of this discussion. He's not in the mix. Like it's Mills and Stroud are rotating QB one, and then the other guys QB two, and then they'll give Keenum QB three, three or four snaps at the end of each drill. Like Hmm. they're not. He's not in the conversation. Okay, he's not in the. He's he's a coach on the field. That's on me because I thought there was a chance that he would be. Uh, looked at at least a little bit more than that. Look, I think Stroud could put together a like a camp that's better than Stroud's. Or I'm sorry, I, I think that Mills can put together a camp that's better than Stroud. I think Mills can look better in preseason games versus Stroud, and Stroud's still the weak yeah, one. Yeah, it won't make a difference. Like this team cares more about the long, and I know they traded their first round pick, committing to win now, but they're still committed more to the long term young players of the Houston Texans than they are about Davis Mills, a backup quarterback in the Any Kenyon Green update. The update that's he's positive. Looking, he's, look, he's, he's, he's getting every snap with the ones. Okay. Like, he's their starting left guard. He's their starting left guard. The first day that he just didn't, per, like, participate in the live stuff. But he's now, still look as doughy? He's looking, I mean, he still looks a little doughy, but he's yeah. looking, I mean, he's getting better. Like, he's a little, little bit more spring in the step. You know, he had off-season surgery. Like, yeah. to, to expect him to be a tip-top shape day one of training camp after off-season surgery, probably unfair. One of the biggest offensive line questions that I have is what position is Juice Scruggs going to play? And if Juice Scruggs is not a center, was that a smart pick? Right, because you were desperate. You be, I, I almost gave, I guess, yeah, desperate. You were desperate at some point to use the draft when you didn't use free agency to find a center. And when you took Juice Scruggs, you, everybody watching the draft assumed that was the position he's going to play because that was your biggest position of need that you hadn't addressed yet at center. They later got the kid from Notre Dame as well, but I think Juju Scruggs in everybody's mind was supposed to be a center on this team. Yeah, I mean, even even Patterson's a six round pick. Like, are you going to have huge stock in the six round pick? Probably not. If they drafted Juice, you know, one of the last two picks of the second round, and he's a left guard after you drafted Kenyon Green fifteenth last year as a left guard. I don't love that. He he needs to be a center, and I hope that's that will be his position. Uh, how are we feeling? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. How are we feeling about the American League West after the moves made by the Rangers, adding Scherzer, adding Jordan Montgomery, already adding Aroldis, apparently still not done, still Willen and Dylan, and then the Angels. They got Grucic, they got CJ Cron, they traded with the White Sox, got uh, Lucas Giolito. Uh, the Lopez, Renato Lopez, the lefty too. How are we feeling about the division after the moves by the Rangers and the Angels? I think it's still the Astros to lose. And I think that you're seeing different levels of desperation based on teams and their situations of trying to get where the Astros are and have been. And from the, the standpoint of the Angels, it's not even about the Astros. It's about Otani. 
It's about looking to be as competitive as possible, to have the best chance to retain the guy that everybody's going to want at the end of the year that you're trying to make sure you try and do everything you can to hang on to. So they're making trade after trade, giving up whatever they have to get get rid of and get, give up to try and get this year's roster to be the best possible scenario to make a playoff berth and give Otani hope that he'll want to sign there. I think from a Rangers perspective, they get tired of getting browbeat no matter how many silver boots are under the Astros' bed and, and how many things that the Astros have done. It really sticks in their craw that they aren't the Astros, haven't been the Astros, and haven't done the things the Astros have done. So it started with the spending that got Seager and Simeon, and they kept adding to it. Now it's to the point of even losing DeGrom, they had to save face, and they knew that their window was right now. They're going for it. I give them credit. But I know that like Rangers fans are out there putting Scherzer's career record against the Astros and all these things. But you know what? The Astros are living rent-free in the Rangers' heads until further notice. And with a one, you know, one game separating these two teams down the stretch, I'll take the Astros getting healthier with the Rangers still struggling through injuries, trying to do what they're trying to do. A few weeks ago, we looked at the trades made at the deadline by the last six World Series champions. None of them make splash moves. The last time a World Series champion made a splash move at the deadline was, quite frankly, Justin Verlander in 17, and that was the August deadline. That was the waiver trade deadline on August 31st, not the non-waiver July 31st, if you don't know what that is, because it no longer exists. Uh, They got rid of that. I I don't think that you need to make splashes at the deadline. I I think the teams that are making splashes at the deadline are the ones, like you said, that are are a bit desperate. Like The Angels, I think, are desperate to be a playoff team to – a, show Shohei Otani they can be a playoff team and then kind of in to, in correlation with that, show like bring Otani back because they are a playoff team. I think the Rangers have been tired of being a, a seller dweller in the American League West for a while, and they're going all in. Like They've made huge moves the last two years, whether it's offensively with Seager, with Simeon, whether this year it was DeGrom, even bringing in Bruce Bochy was a really good hire. Uh, by the Rangers. like They're going all in because they're desperate to be relevant in the American League. I've seen a lot of people in Houston fear-mongering uh, the Astros. Like, oh, they better make a trade to keep up yeah. with the Rangers and to keep up with the Angels. Look, the Angels aren't even in the same conversation with the Astros. Nope. They don't have a roster as good as the Astros. And then the Rangers and the Astros, I think, are comparable. I'll still stack up the what the Astros have right now before making another trade with what the Rangers have right now. The Rangers have Agreed. some shiny pieces, but you mentioned earlier in the show, Seager coming off the thumb, even if he's healthy. like That offense is legit. I think the offense is better than the pitching staff. That bullpen still has problems other than Aroldis Chapman. These starters that they have, like they're shiny. They're shiny. Max Scherzer's not had a tremendous year and hasn't been pitching all no. that well. And Eovaldi just went on the injured list. Like th- This is not the... this. This is They're, they're great in name value. Production... Not so much. Evaldi was the guy that they were supposed to miss one start against the Astros because he had just had a little too much work lately. They were trying to prevent him going on the IL and then missed two starts and was put on the IL. So that's a bigger concern than they thought or anybody else thought looking at the situation or what we were told. So that's a big issue for them. I think Uvaldi's the reason why they went out and got Jordan Montgomery because you're looking for Scherzer and you're looking at the deal that eventually, I mean, essentially replaces DeGrom. Because it times out right to where when Scherzer's deal is up, that's when DeGrom is expected to be completely back. And so it keeps them with an ace in their back pocket. I think the Montgomery move said to a lot of people quietly, there's a bigger issue with Evaldi than they might have thought originally. And they're going to need another quality starting pitcher. And they went out and got him. Yeah, I'm not I'm not at all worried. I mean, the Rangers are good. I think the Rangers are a playoff team. I would even go as far to say like, I think the top four teams in the AL West 
are every bit as good as the top four teams in the AL East. Like, if you want to stack up the Orioles and the Rays, top two teams in the East, with the Rangers and the Astros, I think that's very even. I think the Mariners are better than a lot of people give them credit for. I think the Angels have made mm-hmm. some moves, too. Like, are they the Yankees and the Red Sox equivalent? Yeah, I think that they are. Now, the Yankees and Red Sox have name value, so they always get the cachet there. But in terms of top four teams in each division, I think highly of the American League West. I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think the Astros are going to run away with the division. But I do think, full health, the Astros are still the best team in the American League without doing anything else ahead of tomorrow's 5 o'clock deadline. You got Jordan back. You got Altuve back. You don't know what you're going to get from that guy that hasn't played all year, but you already know that Urquidy's coming back. You're getting guys back and you're getting healthier while the Rangers are checking guys off onto the IL. We talked about Uvalde. Now you're looking at the fact that Jonah Heim might not play the rest of the season. That's a big loss. And that's a massive loss for them because he's been huge behind the the plate and with his bat. Um, And and then you're looking at, you know, uh, Seager with a very delicate thumb injury, as we know, like when Altuve broke his. But now he's getting a cortisone shot and they're trying to do things because they know they're trying to get him back because they need him. So I think while they're still dealing with injuries and there's more question marks, the Astros are pretty much getting solidified by getting healthy. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I still. I'm still confident in the division. Five one five seven. Nathan Uvalde. <laughs> he spelled it Uvalde. Uh, may have had the old Lance McCullers forearm strain, blowout elbow. That's the thing. It's like it's right forearm strain. Yep. Like you get a pitcher who has forearm strain, elbow issues, shoulder issues. That's the kind of stuff that worries me. That that dude's about to be shelved. That's we mom. saw it with Lance. We saw it with Bieber. That's what I'm saying. That's why I think. I don't think they make the Montgomery trade unless they are very concerned about the rest of the season, especially for Uvalde. Mm, I still think they make it. I don't. You don't think they trade for Scherzer if they're... No, the Scherzer deal for sure they do because that that puts the guy at the top of your rotation. But I think that they made the Montgomery trade after looking at Uvalde and going, there's a chance that he might not pitch for us the rest of the season. I still think they make the move. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, it's hard to tell because I think he is going to be out for the year. Like, elbow things worry me. 8941, nothing the Halos do worries me ever. Arlington made moves based on emotion to keep, keep their lead. My concern is the lack of moves in Houston's uh, front office. While Grave Daddy is great, the need for a starting pitcher needs to be fully addressed. Urquidy coming back helps, but one more solid starter uh, would ease us. Well, interesting, fans Detroit minds. hasn't done anything yet. So maybe Detroit's a, guy, a team that's that are sellers that realize at the end of the day that they're going to lose guys if they don't do anything, if they just stand pat, or that they don't want to pay for the next couple of years of their contract. Maybe they end up parting with one of those guys. There are still guys out there. I don't know if because of the fact that they decided that they're not going to trade Bellinger, but I don't know if the Cubs are still going to move Stroman because he's free at the end of the year too. But I think that obviously Dana Brown needs to look at starting pitching first and foremost to see who he can get. But in terms of the Angels moves, I mean, adding Crone and adding Gerchuk, those are more desperation moves to me than anything else. Again, trying to show Otani and hang on for an outside chance at a wild card. I think they could get. I, I think there's a shot they're a playoff team though. Like I like the players that they got. Long term, I think it's silly to do this. I respect them trying to get better for Shohei Otani. Uh, I can understand them not wanting to be the team that lets Shohei Otani leave. I think long term, it's a mistake though. But I think that roster is okay. Like I think that roster Look, is pretty they made, good. They made what at the time looked like a, a grasping at straws move at Mustakas. Mustakas has helped them. You know, do you upgrade from Moniak by putting Gerchuk in center field? Maybe, but Moniak hasn't been that bad. But it gives you another option. You know, Crone at first base, depending on what you do with Otani and an extra bat at designated hitter, he's a stick. He gets out of Colorado. Maybe he you know gets a little bit better and shows more of what he's done off and on in his career. 
But again, I think those are all just grasping at straws and desperation type moves to try and please Otani and make that push just to get in. If they get in, they've done enough. The Rangers are going all for it. They're, they're not just trying to get in. They're trying to win the division and win the World Series. 713-780-3776. You worried about the Rangers. You worried about the Angels. 713-780-3776. A lot of people fear mongering uh, in this city about the lack of making a move if you're Dana Brown. Let's assume that he doesn't. Let's assume that it's just Graveman. The Astros are currently good enough to do what? You fill in the blank. 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Beast on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. This guy named uh, I Buy Limestone Bricks. What are you doing with limestone bricks, by the way? He says he's going to call in and raise some cane. So be on the lookout. I bet you he doesn't call. 713-780-3776. I'm acting bougie like Blankers. Bring a little, bring, drink a little tea. A little tea this afternoon in a 140-degree heat day. Uh, Ashes are currently good enough to do what, Blankers? No other moves, just a graveman. You have what you have. This is your roster. A lot of fear-mongering going on with people in the city right now. they got to do X, Y, and Z to keep up with X, Y, and Z. The Astros are good enough to do what as currently constructed? I think that they are as currently constructed capable of winning the World Series. Definitely more a good chance to get to the World Series. The Braves are really, really good. And I think in the World Series we've seen in the past, anything can happen, like what happened with Washington and or when they played the Braves. But I think that without going too overzealous, I think they're still fully capable of getting to the World Series. I think they're still fully capable of being the best team in the American League. And because they're getting healthy and that's been such a major concern and a storyline all season long, I think that even if they don't do anything more, the fact that they're getting healthy and if they get healthier in especially one specific area that, again, I'm not going to mention by name since we're past the all-star break in the, in the halfway point in the season. Are you talking about player or position? I'm talking about a player that oh. happens to play, hit the right out the right side of the batter's box in the right batter's box and play the right position in the corner. But we haven't seen all year for the amount of money they're paying him. But I think that I'm a little confused. Who you're talking about Michael Brantley. I didn't want to say it, but I'll you say said it. you said righty. No, I said the right batter's oh, box. Oh, I think you meant a right-handed hitter. No, That's no, why no, 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 no. I was yeah. like, who, what? What am I missing I've already here? <laughs> said that I'm, I'm not counting on him. I'm not talking about him. I'm not relying yeah. or even thinking about him. But if he is the, the, the sprinkles and the icing on the cake, so be it. And he gets back and gets healthy, too. The fact that you got Jordan and Altuve back is a huge win for this team because of how they treaded water while they were out. The fact that you're going to get Urquidy back and you might get some help from the pitching staff there. And you already got a guy for the back end of your bullpen to help in Graveman means that this team, if it continues to get healthier and keep getting closer to full health, might have enough to still get to a World Series and compete to win another championship. That says something about them. It also says something about what I think about the rest of the American League compared to them. But I think that they're still okay. People are losing their mind, and they're they're feeling all of this narrative that the media is throwing at you that you have to do something now because of what the Rangers did. No, the Rangers had to do something because they're trying to be you. Uh, I'm with you on all of that. Like, I, I, making a trade for like a starting pitcher does that increase the Astros' odds to win the World Series? Yeah, yeah, I would do that. It, like, the percentage points would go up if they trade for you know a big bat that can play corner outfield spot that can upgrade you over a uh, Corey Jolks, uh, a Jake Myers than what you have right now. 
I think this team's capable of winning a World Series. A lot of people are freaking out about the starting pitchers, especially after you see Brandon Belak. Like we've seen enough. I understand we've seen enough Brandon Belak turn through the rotation. Jose Arquidi's coming back. Uh, you still have Ronel Blanco down on the farm. Not that I'm counting on either one of those guys to be big factors, but you really only need look. If you're in a wild card series, you need three starters. You're in a division series, you, you might need four. Astros went to a World Series one year after Lance McCullers got hurt against the White Sox in the division series, where all they had were two. They had Fromber and Luis Garcia, and even that was helter-skelter. Like, they were going three innings and turning the game over to the bullpen. One thing that Dana Brown did with the Graveman trade that I like, and look, he's been, is he being open right now when he says they're trying to trade for another reliever, is that he's trying to beef up a strength of this team. If right now, as currently constructed, you trust Presley in the back end every single game. And look, I know that he's a closer. He's going to blow some saves. Abreu, right there, too. Naris, right there, too. Graben, right there, too. Now, the rest of them, probably not. But even if you don't add another reliever that you can count on, those are four guys that you can. So you're asking a starting pitcher to turn it over to those four guys, which means you need a starting pitcher to go five innings. Do I think J.P. France can go five innings? Yeah. Do I think Jose Arquiti can go five innings? Yeah. Do I think uh, Hunter Brown can? Yeah. Christian Javier getting there. Farmer Valdez? Absolutely. So those guys turn the game over to the bullpen of Graveman, of Neris, of Abreu, of Ryan Presley. That's your recipe to win games. And then the offensive side. You know, Jordan staying healthy, one of the best hitters in baseball. Jose Altuve staying healthy, one of the best second basemen in all of baseball. Um, so I think that the Astros, even currently constructed, if Dana doesn't do anything in the next 26 hours, still capable of winning a World Series. I really do. Yeah. Joe, you want to chime in on this? I mean, you watch I would every say day. I think right now as constructed, they are capable of getting to the World Series. But can they win it? I just if you can get if you can get to the World Series, you can, you can win, win it. the World. You're Series. right. So I guess I'll say win the World Series. But I, I definitely think they can come out of the American League. I feel very confident in that because I, I side with Joel on the reason why Montgomery was traded to the Rangers was because they found out Eovaldi is going to be out for the season. And that was a reactionary move. I'm not scared of Max Scherzer. The the Mets paid him all that money for what? Giving up four home runs in the playoffs last year? Like, now Corey Seager's out, and he should be back at some point. Obviously, their catcher's out. So, I'm not scared of the Rangers. The Orioles, their pitching doesn't scare me. Kramer, you know, like, they're they're not elite guys. So, they need to make another move. Their offense is really good, but the Astros can beat the Orioles. They can beat the Rangers. They can beat the Yankees. So, I think they can, at a minimum, still get to the World Series without making another move. I really do. I do, too. Now, making one increases the odds. Oh, 100%. Increases the odds, but they're capable of doing it. Double zero, double six. If no moves are made, Houston needs to be consistent on the batting order and stop changing it up only when necessary. If they do that, it will be a deep run. Altuve, Pena, Bregman, Alvarez, Abreu, Tucker, Chaz, Dubon, Diaz, Maldi. I I don't get – look – I don't care what the batting order is. I, I like does Payne hit better in the two spot versus the seven spot? Yeah, he does. Do I, should should Jordan be batting fifth though? No, probably not. Like I don't lose my mind over the batting order. I'll lose my mind over playing time. I'll lose my mind if Martin Maldonado starts every single playoff game behind the dish and Yiner Diaz doesn't. Uh, but batting order, I try my best not to worry too much about batting order. I think batting orders are largely overrated. I think the bigger thing to me is just how's everybody hitting within the batting order. You know, I agree with you. I think Jordan should be in the top three. And and I think that if... Payne, I don't mind of him fourth. I just like to see him hit as many times as possible, and if I get him in in the first inning and I get more chances for him to hit, then I'm all for that. That's a classic, like, what is the best batting order construction yeah. type of thing. Half the people would tell you, like, first or second. The other half would be like, well, I want him in the cleanup spot because if somebody's on base in the first inning, that means sure. he's batting. 
Uh, I think the cleanup spot's the best for driving in runs. But they're going to change that. I mean, Dusty Baker said I think over so. the, well, Dusty Baker said over the weekend that it was Jordan and Kyle Tucker's decision that with the way that they had a discussion between the two of them and I the did way not see that I didn't see yeah that. and the way Kyle Tucker was hitting that they were going to keep him in that spot. So, so you know what that tells me though that he doesn't want to bat on back to back. Yeah, of course not. So Kyle Tucker's going to be batting fifth again. Can't wait. Yeah, but but to me, so same problem. The, the bigger guy. issue to me is are the other guys hitting around them? Are you getting production out of Bregman and Abreu? Uh, is Chaz going to continue to give you, you know, good at bats and, and the contributions that he did in July and, and basically can, pretty consistently all season? If you're getting that kind of production from those guys to complement the guys you know and have no reason to not expect, like Altuve, like Jordan, like Tucker, now you're six, seven deep in a lineup where if Yiner Diaz is your offensive bat because you're going pro offense and he's your catcher. That's eight of the nine guys, and then regardless of who that other guy you're worried about in the lineup, whether it be a Jake or it be a Jolks or whoever that other guy is, they're still fully capable of being better than a Maldi bat in the lineup, and that's one of the most prolific and and possibly uh, uh, powerful lineups in baseball in terms of production. And so I feel great about that lineup. I feel no matter what the batting order is, if those guys are showing the signs of what we're seeing right now, and in the case of Jordan getting better and Altuve, then I, I really love what that lineup has the potential of doing if we don't get force fed a ton of Maldi. Eight four three seven. Uh, the team has gone one and three since Altuve and Jordan have come back. Two of those losses have been blowouts. Curdy or Key alone is not fixing that. Little prisoner in the moment there. Yeah. Little prisoner of the moment there. Six zero four three. Is Chaz going to be here at the end of the day? I don't see a scenario where Chaz McCormick gets traded. I think Jake is the first guy that could possibly get traded, especially now with Corey Lee off the books, and they know there's another logjam where now the kind of the way it all stands has changed, and it looks like if anybody's going to be your center fielder of the next couple of years, it's going to be Chaz. So if someone's interested in a, in a front-line defensive-minded center fielder and they want Jake Myers, they can have Jake Myers. I think Jake is the most likely as well. I think there's a chance that Corey Jolks could be too. Do you? Like if they feel like they could get some value for Corey Jolks and they think that Corey Jolks has kind of exceeded expectations, doesn't really have a great future in the big leagues, even if he does, it's more of a bench guy. I think if they feel they can get more value than he's worth, then potentially. Plus, if he's 28. Yeah, he's older. I mean, I mean that's... Jake's, Jake's older than we think, too, though, no. But I, I think that that factors in, too, to where you're not going to be as worried about keeping him around as a, top, you know, as a prospect you can develop. If teams find an interest and a value in Corey Jolks, Good, good on you to be able to be in that situation to try and get something for him. So if they do consider trading him, since basically he was an afterthought at the on the uh, of the roster in spring training, then so be it. Then use him as a chip that can get you something more for now, knowing that you really weren't relying on him to be a guy for later. Jolt's only a hundred days older than uh, than Jake. Hmm. Jake's Jake's twenty seven years old. Trade them both. I'm okay with that. Seven one three seven eight zero ESP and HRP listener line. Will of bits is next. What does the will have in store for us? What does Joe George have in store for us? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. It's the Wheel of Bits on the Killer Bees. Kibbles and bits, kibbles and bits. I'm going to get me some kibbles and bits. Who knows the bits the bees will begrudgingly bite? Well, let's find out. It's time for overrated, underrated, proper rated. Here's Joe and Jeremy. And Joe. <laughs> you got it today, don't you? Did overrated, underrated, properly rated. Yeah, it right. Yes, overrated, underrated, properly rated. Okay, Probably how many do we have? Three. We have three overrated, underrated. So we have to wrote. No, we we'll have to give one each, or no? We can... We'll go one at a time. Okay, like so if we nice. get to three of them. All right, sounds fun. We'll start with just a general one. 
Training camp. Ooh, yeah, I like this. Overrated, underly, underrated, properly. Age, age over beauty. Joe, age go ahead. Four beauty. I think... Um, Youngest, oldest? I mean, you looked old. <laughs> I think that it's properly rated. Uh, for me, from a training camp perspective, yeah, it's, it's real quickly to say it's overrated because there's always people searching for storylines that aren't there or trying to make too much out of something that really is minuscule at the end of the day. When guys are just trying, in the case of like a C.J. Stroud, trying to get his feet wet, trying to settle in, trying to learn a whole bunch in a short period of time. But everything that he does every single day is going to be hyper-analyzed. But I think it's still necessary. I think guys have to learn the playoff uh, playbook. They have to get you know accustomed to more game-type speed and conditions. They have to understand what's going to be expected of them in terms of their regiment, um, their cardio, their, their overall athleticism, and where they are physically as well as mentally. And so I think that it's, it's – I would never say that it's underrated, and I never would say it's overrated. I think it's just necessary to get you where you need to be at the start of the regular season. Yeah, I'd probably go properly rated too. I, I'm never going to go overrated because I, tra- I think training camp is pretty massive. Uh, it's the start of the NFL season. Like it'd be, be called like spring training, uh, overrated. Uh, the, you're right that some of that stuff does exist like way too much into – like what's going on on seven on seven it, live play? You know, Xavier Hutchinson made a diving catch even today. Like the Davis, they they posted this on Houston Texans Twitter. They posted Davis Mills fifty yard dime into the bread basket of Xavier Hutchinson. Would have been a sack. So like a lot of this stuff does get overblown, but I think it's incredibly necessary. I think it's good if you have like the proper lenses. Like who's looking good? Who looks the part? What does the depth chart stuff look like? So I think there's a lot of value in it. Um, some people overrated, some people underrated. I'll go properly rated with NFL training camp. Yeah, I'm going to go overrated. How about two the injuries? Like if you get it, yeah. you get an injury, you tell me that's overrated. No, that's real, yeah. that's no, tangible. Yeah, the injuries aren't. I think it's 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 properly rated for what the NFL treats it as. I think oftentimes the media overrates it. The thing that I, I've seen that also is annoying to me. Is the fact when like when the Packers Forever Rogers thought that it was overrated and he took off all at camp, he essentially didn't do hardly anything at camp, didn't have any timing with his receivers, said it wasn't necessary, and the easiest bet in Vegas every year was Packers getting crushed in week one when he suddenly thought he could just go out there, flip a switch, and be who he was in the past, and it took him two to three weeks to get there. Yeah, see, that stuff matters. Uh, I think there's a lot of training camp stuff that is overrated. I think there's a lot of it that it's underrated. The aggregate? Properly rated mm-hmm. for training camp, except Joe George. He hates it. I don't hate it. I think it's overrated. I hate the way some people talk about it. Fair. Not us. But very, I also, hate, very I also fair. hate that people expect so much of preseason games. Oh, yeah. You're just trying not to get hurt unless you're fighting for the second string or third string offensive line battle or something like that. Way too much value on, like, preseason snaps in the fourth quarter. Oh, mm-hmm. he had a 40-yard run. He's making the team. Oh, come on. Well, then they get caught like two days Come, later. Yeah, it's like, well, one, he's not responsible for the run. Secondly, he's doing it against fifth and sixth stringers. Third, he's like fifth on the depth chart. Like, people do overrate some of the. You're right. You're, uh, they, there's a lot of it that is overrated. All right, we're going to continue with kind of the training camp path here. Um, I think there's very two different very two different answers for this. The, the old version and the new version, but hard knocks today. Overrated, underrated, properly rated. Oh, this is a good question. Yeah, I, I think it's overrated. I think that it used to be must-see TV. Everybody was talking about it. It was a new medium within the medium where everybody was so excited about this inside access and all the different things that you get to know that you might not have known otherwise and and the stories and the way they developed them and, and everything that they did about it. Everybody was just so hyper-dialed in. 
And then recently in the last couple of years, it's been meh and it's been meh. And if I missed it, no big deal. And I didn't like, you know, I didn't like the storylines as much. I didn't think you were getting as much of the insight. And I think that it was oversaturated because they were trying to do it in the regular season too. So I think right now it is currently overrated where it used to be must-see TV if you were a football fan. See, the best football like in-house show that I've seen like that was uh, All or Nothing. See, they, they went they went in-season, but they didn't play it until the following preseason training camp. Kind of got everybody jacked up. Kind of like the quarterbacks document or yeah. Netflix. Like they don't they they recorded all that last year, but they're playing it back now. In fact, I don't think that you really I think the Hard Knocks wants the timeliness of it. They want the training camp, what's going on. Like they were hanging out with Dalvin Cook, like he's going to sign with the Jets. The one in season, they want the timeliness of it. I think the timeliness of it is actually overrated. I, I think that whenever you have more time and you can tell more of the inside stuff, it actually turns out to be better. Like the quarterback show on Netflix was awesome. It is really good. I've heard great things. And they can dive into that and tell you stories because they're not trying to tip their hand. They don't care what kind of formation you're using a year ago. The same thing with the all or nothing. So I think the timeliness of it, they overrate and they value you too much uh, i would overrate hard knocks except i am jacked up for this year's hard knocks so like that's kind of my hang up here i think hard knocks as a television show is overrated but i'm incredibly intrigued with the drama of jets camp with aaron Rodgers. what what sean payton said about the jets is dalvin cook gonna sign like the jets were the perfect team to force into hard knocks so i'm pretty jacked up they might about be able to turn it around a little bit if, if this is a good one but it's it's but i think it's gonna be an anomaly like I think that this year, perfect scenario, story perfect lines. storm. They can force the Jets into it. The storylines the Jets down, gave them. I feel like it's a perfect storm, anomaly. Like, it's not going to happen every single year. So I'll go overrated for the Hard Knock show, but I will kind of, you know, Homer Simpson into the hedges. I'm, I'm excited for this year's Hard Knocks. Did you guys watch the Hard Knocks in season with the Lions last yeah, year? I did. I thought that was a much better product than the training camp one. I think it's better, but the all or nothing but one was better than the hard knocks. More yeah. stuff under wraps during the regular season than they would at training camp. You don't get much. It was like stuff. two or three weeks yeah. behind. You're still. more in the coach, like you're more like in the position groups. Like they're talking. Like it's not a whole lot of like football. Right. There's not a ton of football. Where all or nothing, it's like a story based around football, but they release it, you know, eight months later. Yeah, I mean, like they they had you know the footage the first year they did it. They they were in the meeting room when Jeff Fisher went into the yeah. Rams locker room and told everyone that he got fired. Yeah. yeah. Like you don't you don't see that kind of stuff with hard knocks. Like yeah, you get the players getting cut. That to me has been one of the most like over dramatized things. Plus, it doesn't have name value. Like the like. Roster spot number fifty four. What name value does that guy have on every single? And you NFL also team? know what's coming. Like when I, I can't remember the player's name, but when the Texans True. were on it, it's like they kept focusing on one guy who might make the roster, and you knew it's like, oh, he's getting cut. Yep. Like they find like the sob story or just the good story, and like, well, that guy's got past, no shot. If the story was presented well and well enough, good enough. You were following that guy's career after that. If he got cut by that team, did he get picked up? Oh, I remember that guy. That was the guy on Hard Knocks. Where is he right now? Yeah. I think in the past, people would be a little more dialed in for the rest of the season on that guy. You get a Hard Knocks fantasy football player bump, too. You ever notice that? Oh, yeah. Like guys that are in Hard Knocks will get get bumped up because people are like, oh, I like that guy. He's going to have a good year. It'll happen this year. Probably Lazard. There will be some bumps. I would bet is the guy that like he shows. Even Rodgers. Even Rodgers. Like, Rodgers is what? QB, like, 14 right Honestly, now? It could be Garrett Wilson. Like Garrett Wilson I, could I be. I wouldn't be surprised. They all will be. They'll all get bumped up slightly. I wonder how high Garrett Wilson will go now with hard knocks. He's and, going and pretty Aaron high Rogers. already. You're also right about Lazard because they'll probably focus on how he felt Story. he was underdeveloped yep. and, and didn't get the ball enough when he was in Green Bay, and now this is going to be his chance to shine, still keeping his same quarterback. 
not doing the Devontae Adams thing, but doing it, sticking with Aaron, going to a new sh- new season, new team, fresh beginning. Yeah, I think Lazard's value probably goes up. So we go overrated, overrated, Joe? Oh, overrated, overrated. for sure. I haven't watched a full season of Hard Knocks in years. But Jeremy's right. The I, fact I that the perfect him. storm this year, if you got Rodgers, the potential to get a big-time running back like Dalvin Cook, the personality yeah, of this Salah. Year's better. I, it's, yeah, you know, this it's funny because like, uh, uh, Sauce Gardner is another Sauce. personality that you in the mix. Quentin Williams. They have good young players, too, yep. like Garrett Wilson, yeah. Sauce you mentioned, um, Brees Quentin, Hall. Quentin Williams is probably a vocal guy on the defense. Yeah. I mean, there was one spot in time where it was very typical in sports radio that one station in a town would have you know the lead producer of Hard Knocks on the next morning or the day of. Like it used to be that popular of a product. Yeah, the people I remember that. It didn't. Rem- it didn't matter if the Texans were on it. Like people would react to Hard Knocks the next day because it was such a. It big was deal. like when the Last Dance was on, and everybody oh. the next day was just basically dissecting well, that was every moment. That was the height of COVID. Well, it was, was too. But I'm just saying, even else. if it wasn't, it was people awesome, would have been dialed though. into that. It was like the, breaking down a, a Texans game. Every Monday. I had Wennington <laughs> on. So, oh, I had, yeah. You know, we had guys on that just, you know, because they were pertinent to that week's storyline. It wouldn't have been big, I don't think, if it was COVID. Oh, I think it would have I, been. I, I, think, I don't think so. I think you would have gotten it's MJ. a segment. Still. I think it would have got like a segment on most shows every yep. day. Segment. But are we talking like leading the show? No. During, no, no. Like no. that's the reason the Tiger King was big. You put Tiger King on television right now, like it would be funny, like a couple chuckles, but to be as massive as it was it's during the awful. height of COVID. One of the Tiger yeah. Kings guy got arrested this weekend. Which one? Which one? Um, the the was it Joe Exotic? No, he's, he's already, already in prison, prison right? Yeah, he's been it, in prison. It, Doc Doc or whatever. Doc, get, Doc Brown. I don't was, remember him. Was he the like the chubbier guy? guy? That he was the, he was the chubbier guy that was like part of and like he had getting like five the Tigers. Wives? Yeah, I think it was him. Like he got oh, arrested. Yeah, he was showboating. Yeah, I think it was like for like smuggling cheetahs or something. Oh, don't good. smuggle cheetahs, kids. What's our last one? Max Scherzer. Ooh. Today. Overrated. Overrated because of the, the, the salary and the season that he was having. Um, the fact that, you know, Rangers fans are looking at the numbers over his career against the Astros, but this is a different Max Scherzer. Uh, I look at it and say, look, he was a hell of a pitcher for a lot of years in Major League Baseball. It still annoys me that he told um, Dave Roberts, don't ever effing talk to me again when he came off the field. I like when, that stuff. I hate that. That that's there's no place in baseball for a starting pitcher whose manager isn't supposed to talk to him on a game day. I like gamers though. I like gamers. I like dudes with that's attitude. I like a little bulldogs. That's a bit excessive. I also but don't I like think Dave he's Roberts. Um, I'm going overrated too. He's got an ERA north of four. Mm-hmm. Max Scherzer right now ERA north of four, and it's kind of like Verlander's ERA is pretty good, actually good, and Verlander's been pitching really well lately. Scherzer's not been pitching well lately. Scherzer in April, March, 372 ERA. Scherzer in May, 338 ERA. Scherzer in June, 425. Scherzer in July, 435. They got an average pitcher at $43.3 million, and they're acting like it's peak Max Scherzer. Extremely overrated. Yeah, what do you get, dead arm in the World Series? Yeah, like he's broken down he, the he last got, couple of years. He got dead arm in the World Series against the Astros, and then he gave four home runs yeah, in the playoffs last year. Game six, didn't he? I know, but I go seven. I go overrated as well. That was also a long time ago. I know. Like it's 2023 now, Max. Yeah, I overrated. Don't, I really don't think this trade puts them in that category that people want to put the Rangers in now. I think it helps them, but he hasn't been that great this year. No, I, I think that uh, I think it might actually hurt them long term. I think right now it probably gives them a little bit of a boost. I think the fact that you acquire a starter probably is good for the clubhouse. But in terms of like production from Max Scherzer, I think it'll be meh. I think it's a middle-of-the-rotation arm. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I was almost surprised that they wanted to make sure that he was locked up for next year, too, but it makes sense from the, the, the how long DeGrom's going to be out. We have a trade in Major League Baseball. Okay. We'll hit that on the other side. It is not involved the Astros. The Astros did claim a no-name reliever, though. Uh, also, what to expect, Astros-Guardians tonight, game one of the three-game series. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92. Before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's Health. Look, helping men and women on a daily basis is what Apollo Men's Health is all about. It starts with getting you more energy on a daily basis, and men and women are going there, sitting in the lobby, telling me, hey, this place has been awesome. I've got more energy from the time I get up in the morning until the time I go to bed. I don't run out of gas. I don't peter out and have to sit on the couch. No, I get the to-do, the to-do list done, whether it be all the things at the house, with the kids, with your job, getting to the gym, getting a workout in, plenty of family time, those kind of things. You've fallen short in the past. You don't have to going forward. Just see the people at Apollo Men's Health. Go to ApolloMH.com and see all the services they offer. They've got also lots of other things that can help you with gym workouts, getting started and monitoring your progress, or maybe recovering quicker. If you want to lose weight, they have the new FDA-approved semi-glutide that can have you losing up to six pounds every single week. That's a massive bonus, and that means you don't even have to work out and you could lose weight. Those are the kind of things they got going on on a daily basis that might be able to help you. But if you go to the website and find a few services that look like it could help you, sign up for your first appointment right there online. When you do, you'll find out most major insurance is accepted and there's discounts for military personnel and first responders. Mention my name, Joel Blank. Free B12 shot on your first official visit or a body composition analysis, which if you do it every so often, you can monitor your results and see where your body fat's going down, muscle mass is going up. The, the numbers are going in the right direction. That can give you more encouragement and, and more motivation when you go to the gym. Tell them I sent you by. Great people doing great things on a daily basis. It's good people at Apollo Men's Health. The Killer Bees. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Jays. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. Yeah, the Astros have claimed right-hander reliever Jake Cousins off of waivers from the Milwaukee Brewers. Mm. Splash that the city of Houston has been waiting for. What do you know about Jake Cousins? I was going to say, do I need to send out my intel with my Milwaukee folk to see what this guy is? Career numbers, no are, career numbers are actually pretty good. Righty. Hasn't appeared in a ton of big league games. 51 in his career. 308 ERA. 482 ERA this year in nine games, though. wonder if he's coming off injury or something. We'll, we'll learn more about Jake Cousins. Uh, this song means that J.P. France, the Astros' best pitcher statistically, is on the mound today. Statistically, he's been better away from Minute Maid Park because he's on the road again. He likes being on the road. Uh, but J.P. France on the mound for the Houston Astros today as they take on the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, the Guardians will counter with Noah Syndergaard. Mm, Thor. Thor. One and four, seven, sixteen ERA. J.P. France, six and three, two eighty-seven ERA on the mound. Uh, this is a game that the Astros should probably win. Looking at the pitching matchup in the don't say that form of the Guardians. You're probably right. Texas is home. They're opening up a series against the White Sox. Is that right? Did I remember that correctly? Uh, yes. Yes. Tuesday. They're off tonight. They play tomorrow. Rare Monday off game, huh? Boy, I'm talking about homerism again. I'm so anti-Brent Dolan now and C.J. Nitkowski. I think Nitkowski's worse than Dolan. Dolan yesterday, was it Kim, the, the, the Padres infielder, got, there was a play at the plate. Ah, Kim. Yeah, and he... Did you hear what happened? He 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 did something to his yeah, shoulder. Yeah, I saw the play. Did you hear the outcome? I did not hear I the eventual outcome. It looked like separation to me. But what I didn't like was Dolan's comment was... 
at least now there's concern in the first ba- or in the third base dugout for Kim's health. I'm like, everybody should be concerned if the dude's hurt or not, you a-hole. I think you but might the, be reading too much no, into that. No, I mean, maybe I am hunting on Brent Dolan now, but the whole thing is just so homerish. Yeah, they are. That's a very, that is a very homer broadcast. I haven't heard the injury. It looked like a separation to me. He's been, he's been crushing Yeah, they were the trying to too. say thumb or something like that. He had two oven mitts on. It looked like he hyperextended or did something when he was reaching for the plate to his shoulder. Yeah, what's, uh, hopefully he's all right. He's been playing some good baseball. Oh, if you're in the third base dugout, you hope. So. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, France on the mound, Syndergaard. There is a trade in Major League Baseball that does involve the Guardians. The Tampa Bay Rays have traded for Aaron Savali from the Guardians. The Rays are trading a fellow by the name of Kyle Manzardo, who was a top 40 prospect. So you have a top 40 prospect going for Aaron Savali. Who is good, but not like his numbers are really good, but isn't somebody that's in the same mold as like Stroman or, you know, Verlander. Now, Savali has a 234 ERA this year in 13 games, and he has two more years of club control, but there is another example of how expensive it is right now Mm -hmm. for starting pitching in baseball. Top 40 prospect to get Savali for the uh, Tampa Bay race. I mean, does that say something about what they're thinking about right now? We were asking. You know, we left the show on Friday thinking that Glasnow was going to pitch this weekend. Now Glasnow didn't pitch this weekend. Yeah, so I don't, know, what, what's up I don't that. know what that was, but maybe they've got concerns now about one of their better pitchers as they try and make a splash getting ready for the playoffs. So you're right. The other thing is if you're Dana Brown, if the ante keeps going up, the chances of you making any kind of a move go down because you don't have the prospects and you can't afford to give up too much in every deal like I think you might have to get Graveman. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, the only hope is the one that you laid out, that you, you have Justin Verlander play some poker, yep, yep. and the Mets are willing to you know, work with Justin Verlander, Verlander a little bit. There's nothing wrong with Glass now. They just gave him an extra day. He's okay. scheduled starter against the Yankees tonight. So yeah. this is just, I mean, the Rays got better. That's a pretty good piece to the rotation that already has McClanahan, already has Glass now. So decent move for Tampa Bay. They, they, they pay a heavy price, but in typical Tampa Bay fashion, they get a guy who's also controllable for the next two years. Oh, perfect. Like, not a rental. Like, he's controllable for two more years after this one. And then when he comes up close to free agency, they dump out. They'll probably trade him before he even comes close to free agency. You're absolutely right. Uh, the Astros lineup is out today. Do you want to guess? This is one of our favorite games. Do you want to guess who's getting the day off? I hope there is a regular getting a day off. I hope it's There's- Maldonado. Oh, uh, that's a good point. He is getting a day off. So maybe there are two regulars that okay. are getting a day off. All so right. Maldonado is not catching today. Good call. Yiner is getting the start behind the dish with J.P. France. That's good news for all of us. Uh, Altuve. No, Altuve is leading off at second. Okay. Mm. God, I hope it's not. It's a, it amazes me how bad you are at this game for Why? some reason. I, I just, it's just weird. Like it's coincidence. It's it's like accidental bad luck. More it's like it's not it's not a skill at all. Like this isn't a skill by any stretch of the imagination. If for some reason, you just never guess the right guys. I don't. Uh, it's it's funny. Is it Tucker? No. Good. I don't want Tucker or Bregman taken out. Not Tucker. See how far we can go with this. <laughs> Please don't tell me it's Jordan. Uh, no, not Jordan either. Very good. So three. Uh, Although you got Maldi right, so you yeah. get this is all this is all pro. Chaz, there you go. Okay, no Chaz McCormick in the lineup today. He's getting benched for Corey Jolks. Uh, the Astros well, at lineup. Least Corey's been hot from Dusty's uh, <laughs> Dusty's desk to to your your ears. Jose Altuve leads it off at second. Pena's at short, batting second. Tucker's in right, batting third. Bregman at third. Jordan in left. Abreu at first, Yiner catches, Jolks is the DH, Myers in center, uh, behind J.P. France on the mound. Where are you guys in the confidence level at Abreu at the plate now? 
Uh, I feel okay-ish. Okay-ish. He's I mean, been after pretty the, good. After June, the three-run bomb this weekend when they needed to come from behind to tie the game, and some of the he's been getting timely hits and otherwise hits to where I feel better and better about Abreu in the lineup now as an offensive player. I mean, the defense is a totally different conversation. Yeah. His, but his, the bat right now, I feel a lot better about. It was better in June than July. I still feel better about it. No, I feel better good. overall. Yeah. Like if you if you look, just take his June and July numbers. If you combine them together. Between June first to where we are now, he's hitting two eighty two with a seven ninety seven OPS. I'll take it. Now he's been better in June than July, but if this is who if this is who Jose Abreu is, if Jose Abreu is roughly an eight hundred OPS guy, this is who they sign. Mm-hmm. This is who they sign. Now, will he sustain this? I'm a little leery because he was better in June than July. But if you tell me that Jose Abreu is an eight hundred OPS guy for the remainder of this season, I- I'm over the moon. I- I- I'm thrilled. I would take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'm totally good. Like, if this is who yep. Jose Abreu is, like, you should feel great about it for what it was. Does it live up to the contract ever? Probably not. No, but it's it's good enough for at least the rest of this season. 282 since June 1st, 797 OPS. If he plays to that for the rest of this season, like, we, we can even talk about 24 and 25 later. But if he plays to a 797 OPS the rest of the year, we're all on board, right? Yeah, we're all absolutely. on board. All on board. Hey, uh, Joe, for tomorrow, you can say ac- um, excited, not excited. You can do one of your uh, bits because thanks to Brian McTaggart, Brewers pitcher joining the Astros, Jake Cousins is the cousin of Kirk Cousins. Oh, yeah, I like good. Kirk, I or like is that bad. Good. I like Kirk Cousins. That's because you saw the quarterback. We'll just keep them. I like them before that. We'll, keep them out of the spotlight. We'll have to keep them out for prime time. That's yeah. absolutely. We're all watching Astros tonight. What we watching oh, Astros? Question. Astros? Yeah. All right, and the boys. And the boys? It's a. It's a comic show. Oh, I haven't heard of it. It's really good. Let's tell me later. All right, does it for us. Thanks to Joe George. Uh, He's blank on Brandon. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Houston. The Wheelhouse is next on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.